No House Advantage is taking a different spin on daily fantasy sports by offering player prop contests across the NBA, MLB, NFL, and PGA for cash prizes. This is an awesome new fantasy sports platform that's leveling the playing field and making it easier to win than on the traditional fantasy sports apps. Download the No House Advantage app and check out our daily player prop contests without having to make a deposit. Play in public guaranteed cash prize pool contests or create your own private contest with friends. Use promo code EDGE when signing up, and they'll match your first deposit with a $20 in free play. If your first-time deposit is at least $10, we'll set you up with a free PFF EDGE annual subscription. No House Advantage offers daily player prop contests that include all types of player statistics. Featured player prop contests combine players of different positions across several statistical categories. Compete against other users and track in real time as you climb the leaderboard. Download the No House Advantage app now using promo code EDGE, and they'll match your first deposit with up to $20 in free play. If your first time deposit is at least $10, we'll set you up with a free PFF Edge annual subscription. Welcome into the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Eager. I'm joined today. Ben is taking a little bit of time off from the host role to be the analyst role, which I think is apt considering, you know, for all of us at PFF, Ben knows the most, I think, about the betting space when it comes to college football. This is our Tuesday show previewing uh, the, the betting markets for college football, which, Ben, we're blessed this week. We don't have to watch an FCS game to fill out our Thursday or Friday slate. We have an F- FBS game both Thursday and Friday. So we can uh, bask in degenerate splendor uh, both days, starting with the best mascot in college football, the Tulane Green Wave, the alma mater of Brad Spielbarger, our salary cap analyst. And they go to face the Houston Cougars here. Houston's playing their first game. Tulane is played a number of games so far and despite that Houston is six and a half point favorites total on the game 59 what do you what say you Ben yeah I mean the market has been all over Houston to start it's kind of interesting because I don't really have any information on them in the 2020 season so far but we have around 69 percent of the cash percentage 66 percent of the tickets on two lanes so we have seen just a little bit of the of an adjustment on that spread price thankfully um I do kind of like Tulane in this matchup. It actually kind of bumped out from Houston opening up at four and a half, moved all the way out to six and a half. So I think some buyers have kind of stepped in on Tulane at this current price, but I don't really see us actually getting out to a minus seven number at this point. Unfortunately, Greenlight doesn't really have a play on the spread, um, but we do have kind of an interesting total here setting up and a few plays potentially on the money line as well so there is you know some intrigue coming up here on Thursday night football um, not just at the NFL level but also on this college football level so I'm looking forward to it our ELO rankings were actually kind of high on Tulane we have them fifth overall as opposed to Houston we have them ninth overall again we don't have um, you know quite as much data on Houston here to start the season so we'll see how that plays out but just from like a general betting and gambling perspective how do you kind of play these situations where we're not really up um past a key number or anything we probably kind of lean too lane yep. on the spread but we haven't really touched that minus seven yet so with a little bit of a lower total are you looking more towards um 
you know, the money line at that point, just because of how these games have kind of played out to start the season. I know we saw a lot of, um, you know, pretty significant money line upsets happen, even in week five. I think um, that was kind of the theme basically of last week with seven, I think seven games and a money line underdog won outright, and five of those were at odds of plus 200 or better. So um, it's been kind of hot to start, and I think this could be a situation where that kind of carries over again. I'm wondering what you kind of think of that, that line of thought. Yeah, underdogs are hitting something like, I think, two-thirds of the games against the spread. And as you said, a green line last week, which was up about four or five units, we had uh, Iowa State plus, you know, plus 200 or more. We had uh, Navy uh, – sorry, um, Air Force against Navy, uh, you know, plus two – yeah, I think it was 240 in that case. Um, Tulane's been a team that we faded, actually, this season and to our benefit in the first two weeks. I mean, we had South Alabama – um, you know, I, I don't know the weeks anymore. I don't even know how to classify them. But it's hard to keep them up. We had South Alabama as, you know, I think it was about a touchdown underdog. Now they were up 18. We had to sweat it out. Tulane ended up coming in and winning that game, but South Alabama covered the number. Um, and then we had Navy in the game where Tulane was up 24 nothing. Navy came back and actually won that game outright. Um, so there were, those were two games. So it, this isn't like a fundamental issue with our modeling here because – you know, if it was, it'd be like one of those things where we're on the same team erroneously every week. This is a team that we've faded, and this is a team that I think will now back. Tulane is coming off of, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a 66-24 to win at Southern Miss. So they're getting – they're in an interesting spot. Like, Houston is well-rested, obviously. They haven't played all year. But Tulane has played three times, and they're well-rested coming off of a bye. So this is a really, I think, good spot for Tulane. It's one that I think that, you know, when you look think about the cross terms in the model, really like here. But as we talked about in a PFF forecast, we talked about this on the PFF betting podcast. In the NFL, it was this way with, for example, Cleveland. We like the money line on Cleveland more than we like the spread because the total of the game is 56. In college football, it's, a, it's, it's that thing in spades, right? This is a low total for college football, but it's still 59, right? So six is you know seven's a key number but we're off that number now it's come down from that now that you're at six and a half there's far less value in going in on Tulane against the spread by the variance okay take the plus 210 money line um and you know deal with that because it's it's simply just like a you know the the probabilities are so spread out that you know it, it is a better number here so that would be where we would uh you know you know put our money if if we if we were to in this game yeah, definitely. And I know Michael Pratt kind of took over the quarterback responsibilities from Key and Howard for Tulane um, in their matchup against Southern Miss. He looked a lot better just from a grading perspective. So I think, once again, if he's kind of rolling out, um, going to get that start for Tulane, I definitely would lean in that direction. But like you said, I think I think the play here, especially given the lower-ish total, is definitely on um, the money line at this point in action. So we'll see. It could be a fun Thursday night matchup. I'm not sure if I'm more excited about this one or the NFL version, but we yeah. also have, you know, the Friday slate as well, which is um, a little bit, you know, maybe I, I love Mikel Cunningham. He's kind of disappointed us to start the season a little bit. I know we've been on some Georgia Tech unders as well to start the season that have been, um, I think they kind of split basically though. So these are two teams that we've definitely um, discussed and, you know, backed at certain points already here in 2020. So that kind of adds a little bit of intrigue to this factor in my opinion because um, we're still kind of trying to figure out where these two teams stack up in the ACC. Of course, we have Georgia Tech dead last according to our ELO rankings. I think 
Louisville might be just a little bit underrated. Like I said, I've been kind of a fan of Mikel Cunningham for the past two years. He hasn't necessarily shown um, that much of an ability here to start in 2020, unfortunately. But I do think that he's still capable of some of those highlight reel plays and things like that. But his turnover-worthy plays have been, um, you know, astronomically way too high to be at all worthwhile and actually from a grading perspective for PFF. So, I don't know. Both teams negative EPA per pass um, as well. So I think just from that regard, our model kind of leans towards the unders. I'm not sure what you're feeling about that number or that price here sitting at 64 right now, if that's something that you're kind of interested in or not really at that point. Yeah, college unders are really hard, right? We were on an under with Louisville versus Miami, um, which played under in the first half. Exploded. And then exploded it now in the third quarter, which if it's going to do that, might as well be in the third quarter. Don't get my hopes up uh, before a flurry in the second in the second part of the second half. But you know, Louisville's played essentially two games under this number. They played Pittsburgh. We run actually Pittsburgh that game. Um, you know, in in uh, you know on uh, the 26th of September, um, Louis- Pittsburgh did end up winning the game outright. It was a 43 point total. Um, we you know they they lost outright to Miami, but they just sort of overmatched in that game. Um, where you, whereas you look at Georgia Tech, again, they've played two games towards the under. We liked Syracuse, not only against the spread, but, you know, which you Straight printed up. up that that one day, but we also liked them against the money line. Um, and not only did Syracuse cover the number, but they won by 17. Georgia Tech, you know, look who looked formidable offensively at times against UCF, um, but really... Did not have that same yeah, effect. And in the, so the so here's, here's where I look at this at this from a numbers perspective. Both teams are averaging negative EPA throwing the football. Um, and, you know, Georgia Tech, you know, they're both kind of around zero running the football. And, you know, both 50-50 sort of run pass. So, you know, the, I can get behind an under as long as there's not turnover. I think turnovers are the only thing that could kill this under. And when I look at it, I say, okay, both teams are near 50-50 run pass. That's a good thing because fumbles don't happen very often. Um, but I look at both quarterbacks, Cunningham, 124 pass rating when clean, 19 when pressured, 7% of his dropbacks become turnover worthy. Yep. That's a that's the that's the type of variance that, you know, let's say the Louisville and Georgia Tech pass rates are near 60 or 70, that's not the kind that's the kind of variance I don't want, okay? Right. Um Georgia Tech and Jeff Sims has been even worse from that perspective. Exactly. Right. 8.33 turnover worthy play rate and, you know, the, that was the same same thing in that Syracuse game. That total was like, what, 51? And it barely went over that. And it probably wouldn't have had Georgia Tech not thrown, I think, an interception at the very end of the game that got run back for a touchdown. That's the risk you take when you've had an under here. Now, I'll probably be on it. I might be. I might try to do it more like in a derivative, like a first half, or I might, you know, and maybe... You got to have some Friday night action. You have though, to. Right? I mean, and that, so that, that's what's leading me towards taking it. Obviously, that's a square way to think. But... Um, but for me, that's kind of where I'm looking at. I think under is the right choice if there was no such thing as turnovers. And so you really just have to sweat out the idea that these turnovers, if they happen, maybe happen in advantageous spots for the under, like in the red zone um, or and with no returns. Right, exactly. I mean, that is a really good point because when you think bad quarterback play, you typically lean towards the unders in most situations. But if that bad quarterback play is happening in that own team's zone, basically, I mean, that's 
incredibly detrimental to the under. We see that play out time and again at both the college and NFL level. So it is something to take into account. Of course, we do have the grades, turnover-worthy plays, and things like that. So we can definitely highlight, you know, how often these quarterbacks are making poor decisions. It just depends on, you know, where on the field are they making these poor decisions. And if they're that bad that they're going to end up turning into pick sixes, which are kind of killers to the under at this point. That and uh, kick return touchdowns, I guess. So right. we'll see. Is there is there any uh, game you're kind of looking at um, on Saturday that has caught your interest here early in the week? Yeah, let's look at one. And again, I talk about key numbers with, you know, college football, and they're not that important. Um, but I, I when I look at a team like Alabama in a season where home field advantage is – you know, minimal laying only 23 against an Ole Miss team that has question marks at the quarterback position. Um, obviously question marks defensively. They're 13th um, in the SEC in terms of our opponent adjusted defensive rankings. I, I, I like not only Alabama in this game laying the points, but I also like the over here um, with, with the number at 66. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think just from, you know, a betting perspective, it seems like Matt Corral has kind of won over the hearts and fans of a lot of people here. I think, you know, initially we saw this line open at 24. It's kind of moved down in the direction of Ole Miss. Um, they are getting a significant percentage of, um, you know, the cash percentage, which would essentially highlight bigger bettors are kind of backing the, you know, the home dog at this point. So something has obviously caused this line to move down drastically. Um I do think Matt Carroll's kind of played well, but I actually think Mac Jones is playing, you know, basically like one of the best quarterbacks in college football. I think he leads the power five quarterbacks in percentage of throws receiving a positive grade. Um, you know, Alabama, after their showing last week, has the number one EPA per pass attempt in the entire country. So this is a team that, you know, hasn't had any significant drop off from all the talent that they lost or went on to the NFL in the last year. So I still think that they're capable of, you know, rolling through uh, undermatched or overmatched SEC team um, and covering by multiple touchdowns. We saw them do that last week. I don't think this is too different of a game as well. I think Ole Miss's um, offense and offense is definitely overrated. I think they kind of had some garbage time points against Florida here two weeks ago, which kind of made it seem like they were a little better than that. But then, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not fully buying into the Matt Corral hype at this point, even though he has graded quite well. Um, to start the season, I think he's sitting at 86.5 PFF grade, almost a perfect passer rating wing clean. So no turnover where really he plays, but um, he's been kind of big time. So that's kind of the scary fact, I guess, yeah. at this point coming into this game. But um, from an offensive perspective, I do think that the over is definitely in play here. I think both teams have put up, you know, over 0.5 EPA per pass attempts, which is just unheard of I guess especially at the NFL level but the college level we rarely get matchups where both teams are being this efficient this early in the season so um, I do think that we get a lot of points scored and I don't necessarily see Alabama having the opportunity to really take their foot off the gas pedal which is why I kind of like them covering this 23 points because um, I think they're probably going to end up having to put up a number of touchdowns here to actually um, you know stay well in front of Ole Miss at this point because I think they're going to be challenging them offensively uh, throughout the game. So, I don't know. This is pretty intriguing matchup here, I think. But, yeah. I don't know. Our ELO ranking is low on Ole Miss in general. I'm not sure if we are just a little underrated compared to where the betting market is at this point in time for Ole Miss or what. But that's kind of my, you know, one concern, basically, is that we're maybe not evaluating Ole Miss um, to the level that others are viewing them at this point in time. Yeah, and that could be really possible. This number came down from 24 
Um, so you are getting an opportunity here. Um, and I don't think if it, it, unless it gets all the way down to, let's say 21, uh, right. you know, you're not really losing a ton of value. Let's say if you get market resistance here. So, you know, bet it now. It's one of the other reasons why I like the over. I mean, if, if Ole Miss is game for this, it's not going to be in a way in which they stop in the Crimson Tide uh, and keep it close that way. It's going to be because they can score with the Crimson right. Tide, in which case, again, you're going to want to have Alabama and Ole Miss players in your DFS lineup, which, speaking of, Ben, your DFS blow-up model, um, something that we worked on a lot this offseason, has been absolutely fire in the NFL. And, you know, I, I we took a lot of inspiration from Josh Hermsmeyer, but a lot of this stuff is, is PFF-centric. Um, and you know the, the model's ability and your you know i think narr- you know when you've written the narratives around it the ability to identify players who have blown up in the nfl dfs market um has been uncanny through four weeks and for our listeners that don't know ben writes up a you know a, a version of this model tweets out you know basically the the sort of players who are undervalued uh via it for college football so if you if you're if you're a DFS player, if you'd like an additional Saturday sweat, um, th- that's something I think that you can get your uh, you you can get your hands on what Friday night, Ben. Yep, Friday night. I've been typically tweeting it out, so I think that's probably the best time. Friday night or Saturday morning is probably um, when the majority of people are checking things like that. But I'll make sure to get it Friday out. But yeah, it's been uh, really good from the NFL level. But even comparing, you know, and looking at the results for college, I haven't necessarily done any of the write ups, but. A lot of the people that we have, we are finding value on based on their DraftKings salary have been, uh, you know, really paying off. I think we've rode Taj Harris in every situation. He's been scoring touchdowns like crazy. So we had, you know, the Alabama stack last week that came through as well. So um, it's been enjoyable. It's definitely been an encouraging part of the start of both the NFL and college football season. I do think it's definitely worthwhile that people at least have an understanding of because I do think, you know, air yards, targets, routes things like that are all what are driving ownership at both the nfl and college dfs level so just even having an understanding of um you know what players are popping up because of those situations is definitely worthwhile for anybody who's looking to uh put down a little cheddar on any dfs action here this weekend yeah and to your point um there the there are no uh you know games up currently on prizepicks.com but i know ben you wrote about uh, a really fun one last week which was what uh you had Kyle Trask versus I had Kyle Trask under and I had Mac Jones over because everything every model that I was running and everything that I was looking at as far as you know from a game stacks and blow up perspective was all over the Alabama Crimson Tide last week so I'm high on them again this week um we'll see what you know the actual model generation spits out but I do think they're going to be quite the popular stat coming up in that evening slate of DFS action um well and that and that paid out three to one which was good because Right. We hit some crappy variants in college football last week. Uh, that Baylor game, uh, yeah, one of our mutual friends uh, was was over during that game, and I I turned to him and I said, I don't feel good after watching that game. You know, there are games where you would turn it off if you didn't have action on it, and unfortunately, Baylor instead of just simply losing. Uh, handily kept us in all the way through overtime. Tagged us through the overtime. Yeah, I know. and uh, three missed field goals and and interceptions in the end zone galore. Uh, and we and we had to watch West Virginia a week too late because we were backing West Virginia the week before. But nonetheless, those are the things that happen. 
Uh, so far, Green Line in the, at the college level has done uh, terrific, and uh, I hope it continues to go that way. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this week, Ben. Um, you know, I think that there are some great games on there. Uh, if you want more of the analysis, come back uh, later days this week or read some of Ben's terrific content on college football in the betting and DFS space. Uh, I think that's it, though. So for Eric Eager uh, and Ben Brown, um, this has been the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. Have a good one, everybody. Everybody.